Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and I'm the Communications Manager at the National Cannabis Industry Association. I'm happy to introduce my guest today, Ryan Douglas of Ryan Douglas Cultivation. As a master grower from 2013 to 2016, he directed cultivation for Tweed Incorporated, Canada's largest licensed producer of medical cannabis and the flagship subsidiary of Canopy Growth Corporation. As one of the company's first employees, he helped drive the organization's early success by designing the production facility, selecting the genetics, and hiring and training staff to produce 70,000 plants and process six tons of dry cannabis annually. His work at Tweed has been featured in Vice, New York Times, Bloomberg News, and on National Public Radio. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Absolutely. So it sounds like an interesting background in the cannabis industry, but let's go way back. Let's learn more about your background and experience and what what kinds of work and things you may have done before getting involved in in this industry that we we love. (laughs) Sure. So my background is actually in traditional horticulture. So for 15 years, I was a commercial greenhouse grower of ornamental and edible crops in the U.S. So I held uh, growing positions in uh, New Mexico, Mississippi, Maine, and Massachusetts. And I was growing a lot of uh, seasonal crops, a lot of ornamental crops. Uh, Pretty much anything you would find at your local garden center, I grew. And... um, uh, just prior to transitioning to cannabis, I was growing about half a million plants a year. Great. So that's ranging from the bouquets of flowers that you take home to your significant other to f- things in the produce section, blueberries. I have a blueberry management problem in my fridge, apparently, but all of those <laughs> things. Uh, yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So some cut flowers, a lot of potted uh, blooming plants, so ornamental plants, seasonal mm-hmm. crops like uh, Easter lilies for Easter, poinsettias at Christmas, mm-hmm. uh, hanging baskets for Mother's Day. And of course, all the vegetable starts that people buy in the spring and early summer to plant in their own gardens. Great. Got it. That's awesome. So at what point did you decide to start growing the cannabis plant and and get involved in the cannabis industry and and movement? Uh, As cannabis uh, gradually became uh, decriminalized in the U.S., I became more and more interested in growing it as a profession. 
Um, so always been a fan of cannabis, but was a bit hesitate to really uh, get into it due to the illegality of the crop. Mm-hmm. But after 10 or 15 years of growing uh, flowers and vegetables, I, I knew I had the skills. I knew how to operate a commercial plant production facility. And I was really interested in trying to transition myself into the legal cannabis world. Yeah, and what a world it is for sure. So I'm sure one of the first things you figured out was, of course, it's federally illegal, but there's a banking crisis. Not all these direct-to-plant companies can can get access to traditional financial services that other industries do. And then 280E of the IRS tax code, of course, really hitting the direct-to-plant hard uh, with with those uh, business deductions that can't be taken for, for normal things. So 70, 80% tax rate. Did, were, is that accurate? Were, were those two federal issues like thrown in your face when you got into the industry or did they creep up on you? Yeah, absolutely. So my first job was actually for a dispensary in Maine uh, called Remedy Compassion Center. So a relatively small outfit, but it was my first kind of foot in the door of the legal cannabis space. And it was always a concern. The owners reminded us that they could be taken to jail any day simply for operating their dispensary. So it was always in the back of our mind uh, when I was working at that first cannabis job site. But um, you're right. It's something that we can't escape. Have you experienced problems with bank accounts in some of the cannabis companies you've you've been working with, or uh, have have you found ways to work around that? Uh, so, absolutely, personally, uh, as a cannabis cultivation consultant, I've had uh, numerous bank accounts closed and mm-hmm. banks that weren't willing to open a business account for me, uh, even though I don't have a cultivation license. I don't. Uh, own a cannabis cultivation facility. I simply offer management consulting services. So I felt it firsthand, but uh, over the last four years, I've been consulting and living in Colombia, South America, and even in other countries, um, it's a very touchy subject. Wow, that's tough. Absolutely. Uh, So in in addition to that, here in the U.S., we we have the Safe Banking Act, uh, Safe and Fair Secure and Fair Enforcement Banking Act uh, that has passed the House of Representatives and has been sitting in the Senate since the beginning of the year. Of course, the Senate has been quite distracted all year long, it seems like. Um, So the Safe Banking Act is one of NCIA's central federal pieces of legislation uh, that we've been working on uh, since before the Safe Banking Act was even written uh, to secure banking. So it it, it continues to be an issue for these direct-to-plant companies, of course, uh, but I'll use this opportunity to encourage our listeners to call your senators right now. You have two in your state and two things. Ask them to support the Safe Banking Act and also the HEROES Act included some language to help the cannabis industry uh, with some of this um, coronavirus relief Funding. So if, if you like picking up the phone or emailing your senators, uh, since the House has already passed both of those bills that I mentioned, this is a great opportunity to give your senators a call and ask them to support the Safe Banking Act and the HEROES Act. Okay, had to do that. Uh, so moving into modern day, we're working as an industry together to 
work on all these issues, you also have to run your business <laughs> in, in addition to all these federal issues and state level issues that are impacting you. Uh, so now you are, you've gone solo, Ryan Douglas Cultivation. What's, what's going on with the company this year and, and what are you looking forward to as we get past 2020? Sure. So uh, basically, I specialize in helping cannabis cultivation startups. So I help these new companies come to market quickly and I help them spend less money getting there. So from my perspective, I think the hottest cannabis market globally over the next year or two is the U.S., so my focus and my interest are in those states where they have a robust, growing uh, medical patient base, uh, Florida, for example, mm-hmm. or states that will likely legalize cannabis with the November election, uh, Arizona, for example, mm-hmm. or states that have had a medical uh, program, have legalized adult use cannabis, and now there's much more demand than there is supply. So places like Illinois or Michigan. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, plenty of opportunity for the business owners, and that's really where I feel like um, I can be of most value. So even if we just take a second to look at a place like Michigan, um, they have much more demand than there is supply. And currently about 60% of the medical cannabis is grown by caregivers. And they're going to eliminate the caregiver network come October. So you're going to have these dispensaries that need to protect their medical patient base, but also need to scale up rapidly to service the adult use market. And so that's exactly where I come into play. That's, that's the kind of company I'd like to help is kind of avoid the typical expansion or startup mistakes so they can come to market quickly and take advantage of the demand and the high prices that, that exist. Right. And truly that state is, is losing out on revenue from taxes, from the sales of, of marijuana and, and the job creation that goes into those expansions as well. Um, so yes, hopefully see more licenses and, and more opportunity for individuals to get involved in the industry in Michigan and everywhere else where there is a supply and demand mismatch, right? Exactly. And from my perspective, it's a win-win for everyone. So the the cultivation business owner wins by um, successfully entering that market and selling their product. Uh, The government wins by uh, earning the taxes on all the cannabis products that are sold. And the consumers win because uh, they're not being turned down. They're not being restricted on the amount of cannabis they can buy. So from my perspective, if a company can quickly come to market and meet demand, uh, everybody wins. Absolutely. And we'll absolutely get more into some of that advice you might have for people in the industry when we come back from our commercial break here. Uh, Yeah. So you are servicing customers all over the U.S. primarily. Uh, It sounds like you're doing a little bit of work outside the U.S. as well. Is that right? Yeah. So over the last four years, I've consulted on projects in um, Canada, Puerto Rico, and primarily in Colombia, but I've relocated to the U.S. Uh, specifically to service the U.S. market because, again, in my opinion, it's, it's, it's the hottest cannabis market on the globe right now. Yep, absolutely. All right. We're going to take our first commercial break, and then we'll be right back to chat more with Ryan Douglas. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. 
Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA free and lead free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the US. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Empire, a show dedicated to exploring the many potential therapeutic uses of the cannabis plant. Once a cornerstone of healing and now making a heroic comeback, Cannabis has the potential to promote health and well-being, bring the body back to homostasis, and foster recovery for a healthier way of living. Hempire focuses on a diverse range of serious health issues, presenting views ranging from those of patients and their loved ones through those of researchers and medical professionals. Welcome to Hempire. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee, Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at s-h-o-o-g-i-e-s dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. If you're just tuning in, I'm your host, Bethany Moore, with the National Cannabis Industry Association. And we're talking with Ryan Douglas, a master grower specializing in cannabis cultivation, among all the other plants he mentioned before. So the cannabis industry in its current form, relatively new, relatively fresh, still quite entrepreneurial as we're mentioning. There's a lot of startups being formed and launched, especially with every year, these new states like Arizona, you mentioned for medical or adult use. There's a lot of people listening to this show right now who might be launching cannabis businesses in their state soon or hoping to. Uh, So let's start with some advice you might have for someone who's worked uh, as as someone who's worked with startups in the cannabis space. What what common challenges or or hurdles will these startup operators run into that maybe they're not thinking about yet? So uh, from my experience, probably 90% of cannabis cultivation startups unnecessarily overcomplicate the process. And so usually that's due to uh, the fact that the people that receive the licenses or start these businesses aren't cultivators themselves. And so if you don't know what you don't know, there seems to be a tendency to overcomplicate things for a couple of different reasons. Um, the first is a tendency to hire an inexperienced head grower. So I think most people think that because 
cannabis is so common, it grows like a weed. We really don't need to put too much thought into the person that grows it. But what continually surprises me is a group that'll raise $10 million to build out a facility, a state-of-the-art facility in a hot market but then they hire the cheapest grower they can find. So I always tell clients to um, look to commercial horticulture to find a, a commercial greenhouse grower or a commercial vegetable greenhouse grower and simply uh, train them on the specifics of growing cannabis. Uh, that seems to be uh, a key to coming to market quickly. Another way groups tend to overcomplicate is they start with too many genetics. Really, startups shouldn't grow more than five or 10 different varieties to start with because it gets too overwhelming. And mm -hmm. repeatedly, I, I see companies that start with dozens. In Colombia, some groups start between 50 and 100 genetics, and it Delicious. really be it becomes <laughs> overwhelming. It's kind of like a genetic circus. Yeah. And uh, the third uh, tendency that startups have is, is they select a really high-tech growing method that really isn't appropriate for a startup. Things like maybe you've heard of aeroponics or deep water mm -hmm. culture. These are the most advanced ways to cultivate any kind of plants, but they have a very low margin for error. Mm -hmm. So with a startup, you know, there's a lot of that's outside of your control. There's a lot that um, kind of goes haywire, but we shouldn't let cultivation be one of those things. So I always recommend that clients really start with a tried and true kind of boring cultivation method. And once they start producing and they develop demand and they have customers, then it would be an appropriate time to introduce some, some extra varieties or different growing techniques. But usually uh, simplest is best. Yeah, I think that makes sense. It sounds like as a startup, there's a sweet spot between going overboard and, and maybe trying to scale up too fast or, or get technology that you can't quite handle yet versus hiring your neighbor who you know grows some really, really good stuff out of his basement, right? It's not going to translate to uh, a licensed facility. Right. No, but that situation happens all the time. All the time. I hear about it all the time. <laughs> Well, we learned. We find out the hard way sometimes. So um, I think that's valuable advice. Um, and I'd like to talk about the growth of our market. So while there's plenty of room and, and some of these legacy growers, people that have been growing for a long time are absolutely finding their space in the legal regulated cannabis industry. Um, so there's, there's a lot of room out here, but, but there is limited shelf space in dispensaries. Uh, so competition's getting really real. Operators are looking for ways to increase their efficiency, reduce costs, improve product quality. We talk about this a lot in the organization, lots of advice and thoughts around this. So I'd like to know your thoughts around the future of the market and how to stay competitive and thrive in this extremely fast-paced, the ground is always shifting industry. Sure. So uh, from my experience, really the first year or two of a new market are oftentimes the most profitable for the cultivation business because it takes a while for competitors to scale up um, and for supply to increase. And then inevitably there's um, price compression. So one thing I recommend clients to do from the get-go is to consider breaking up vertical integration and really specializing in one portion of the cultivation process. So vertical integration, it's, it's a pretty popular buzzword in cannabis, and that is because a lot of states require it. 
Um, and vertical integration is when a company has to own really the entire process from cultivating to extraction to selling. And I think the idea is most people believe uh, a company can better control the quality of their product if it all happens kind of under the same roof. Uh, the problem is for the business, um, it requires them to be experts in everything, cultivation, extraction and retail sales and it also forces them to raise a ton of money to be able to build the infrastructure for all of those activities but it's also really risky because if a cultivator has a crop failure um, and they're not allowed to purchase from another supplier until their next crop comes along their, their business really comes to a halt so i think what we'll see as the industry matures is um, breaking up of not only cultivation and extraction and retail sales, but even within cultivation, breaking up those steps. And coming from traditional horticulture, that's really how commercial production happens. Um, so when we talk about remaining uh, competitive in the future, one thing growers can think about is instead of doing everything from cutting clones to flowering out plants, maybe concentrating on just one portion of that process. So, for example, a grower could manage just the stock plants and the cloning. Uh, another grower would receive these rooted clones and grow the plants out to a stage where they're, they're uh, appropriate for flowering. And then another grower would receive these plants and just concentrate on the flowering. So it doesn't, uh, on the one hand, it prevents the business from having to spend money on the entire process, but also prevents them from having to be excellent at every stage of the process. So just coming from traditional horticulture, working there for 15 years, that's how commercial growers operate. It makes a lot of sense. I think that's where the cannabis industry is headed. So I recommend to my clients to begin to think about uh, specializing in one area of the process that they're really good at and then um, helping to differentiate themselves that way to stay competitive in the future. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, honing in on something and getting really good at it versus spreading yourself too thin makes a lot of sense. Um, so we also talk a lot about profits and and the people and the planet also, that, that new triple bottom line that everyone talks about. So specifically, our carbon footprint in our industry is a significant issue. Lots of conversations are happening around this specifically in the cultivation stage because of all the energy required with lighting, heat, HVAC, whole nine yards. What are you seeing there as far as what we can implement today or in the near future to continue to address that carbon footprint issue in the cannabis industry hanging over our heads? Well, I think that's a, a really uh, important topic to cover. Um, I think the statistics are, at least in California, somewhere between 1% and 3% of the state's electrical consumption is dedicated to cannabis production. So I, I don't think that's uh, normal. I don't think it's anything to be proud of. Uh, but we have, fortunately, a lot of options. It, it doesn't have to be that way. So uh, a couple of things. One is I believe the future of cannabis cultivation is going to move towards greenhouse production. And that's because uh, every other commercially produced crop is grown in greenhouses. Um, you'd never find a, a cut flower or a vegetable that's grown inside of warehouses, you know, using tons of lights, tons of dehumidification, tons of cooling. So it just makes sense to grow this crop now that it's legal uh, using um, technology and equipment that other farmers use to grow any other crop. Um, but in terms of <clears throat> really lessening our carbon footprint, uh, I think one way to do that is to uh, 
um, look for equipment that's going to allow us to do what we do already, but just with less impact. So of course, one way is to, to grow with more efficient lights. So lights that require less electricity, um, lights that give off less heat. So in, in turn, they require less cooling. Uh, but another way uh, we could <clears throat> really lessen our carbon footprint, and I don't think too many people think about this, is really to look for varieties that require less energy. And so there are some cannabis varieties that where their, their genetics come from areas of the globe where there isn't a ton of light. And so they're naturally, they naturally grow better under lower light conditions. Hmm. And as a result, they actually require less fertilizer as well. So if you think, if you think on the one hand, we could move from indoor production to outdoor production in a greenhouse mm -hmm. and the grow lights that we do need to use, we could um, select to use very energy efficient grow lights but then the crops that we're growing, if we can look for uh, crops that that flourish under maybe 70% of the amount of light of the crops that we currently grow, mm -hmm. that we'll be able to minimize our electrical consumption and minimize our um, demand on fertilizer as well. Fascinating. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out which of my plants in my house, and I'm just talking house plants, like want to be near the window or don't. So I, <laughs> it makes perfect sense. All right, we're going to take our last commercial break, and then we'll be right back to wrap up our chat with Ryan Douglas. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Dazed and Infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put different celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is him pink, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint the business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Fortunate to have Michael Brewer of Brewer & Shipley. Your signature top 10 song, One Toke Over the Line. I've read a couple different versions of, of what the tune's origins are. What's the true story? We were playing a little club in Kansas City. A friend stopped by with some really good hash. We stepped out back and came back in. We we're tuning up in the dressing room, and Tom said, Man, I'm really one toke over the line. And I just cracked up. I thought it was hysterical. We literally wrote that song just entertaining ourselves and to make our friends laugh. It's time to Hem Present, only on Cannabis Radio. Hey 
Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, with the National Cannabis Industry Association. And we've been talking cultivation and best practices with Ryan Douglas of Ryan Douglas Cultivation. Uh, so in these last few minutes here, let's let's look into some big picture issues. It's fun to be celebrating NCIA's 10-year anniversary this year. We're kind of celebrating all year long. Uh, I think technically our anniversary is October or something of this year. And what a year. 2020 has just turned out to be um, a strange year to say the least. But big picture, there's there's a lot to reflect on despite COVID. <laughs> um, like 10 years ago, I, I don't know that many of us, even as a medical marijuana activist myself for like 18 years at this point, I don't think adult use cannabis was something I saw this quickly. Uh, so that 10 years ago, I would have never known. 10 years ago, when you were not growing cannabis, what did you think about the cannabis industry and if legalization was was ever possible? Well, it was always kind of my dream ever since I uh, graduated college and was interested in a career in horticulture. That would have been my go-to crop um, <laughs> from from the get-go, but uh, I was just afraid of going to prison, and so I decided to grow flowers and vegetables instead. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, no, 10 years ago, I, th- I think I was probably uh, in Boston working at a greenhouse growing poinsettias or Easter lilies, trying to figure out how I could legally enter the cannabis industry. But no, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have imagined that we are where we are today, even though at times it feels like it's one step forward and two steps back. I think we've made tremendous progress in certainly the last 10 years, but really in the last five or six. Absolutely. I completely agree. There, there's real jobs. People are getting paychecks and uh, yeah, and and they're on the books. You don't have to hide your income anymore. Um, so obviously the year 2020, as I mentioned, is canceled, but, um, you know, the future is bright. Maybe 2021 will, will look up. Uh, so, but when we look even further into the future, 10 years from now, the year 2030 seems really far away, but do you have any predictions about where the cannabis industry might be when we, when we get there? Well, it's certainly not going away. I think if, Uh, this pandemic has shown us anything. It's that uh, the cannabis industry is very resilient to, to everything, whether it's a pandemic or an economic downturn. Um, uh, 10 years from now, I think that we'll certainly have a complete legalization on the U S level, but I think uh, the majority of the world will have um, cannabis laws in some form or another. Uh, whether it's hemp or medical use or adult use. But I I really think that you have countries like Canada and the U.S. that have really, uh, it hasn't been perfect, but they're really kind of blazing the path. And these other countries are are watching how we unfold our programs and they see how much money is at stake, how much the businesses are making and how much the governments are making. And the beauty is it's not an industry where you have to create new customers because they already exist everywhere. It's just a question of transitioning them from the illicit market to the legal market. So uh, I really, I can't wait. I'm excited. There's no other industry I'd rather be in and I can't wait for the next 10 years. 
Yeah, we absolutely have a lot of opportunities to free this plant and in right the wrongs of the war on drugs as well, uh, which I'd like to segue by mentioning NCIA has officially launched our equity scholarship program. Uh, so if anyone listening is an equity applicant in any states offering that for the cannabis industry, you're eligible for a free complimentary one-year membership with NCIA. Just submit all the paperwork. Tahir Johnson is the person at NCIA who's heading up our diversity, inclusion, and equity committee, and he'd be happy to answer any questions. So head to NCIA's website, thecannabisindustry.org, and in the rotating banner on the homepage, there's information you can click into about the Equity Scholarship Program, or you can find it on the menu, or just reach out to NCIA, and we'll connect you with Tahir. It's a great opportunity for those who are entering the cannabis space from the disadvantage of the war on drugs in disproportionately affected communities to go ahead and join NCIA and get connected. Uh, That's one way that we're giving back as an organization to help these companies thrive. Additionally, for everyone else listening as well, our educational webinars are still rocking every single week with experts from across the industry coming together on all kinds of topics ranging from the GR, government relations side, to getting into the nitty gritty of running your business. Definitely check out NCIA's Industry Essentials webinar series that has been just rocking this summer. There's so many resources of past recordings you can review or you can register for future webinars on our website. And there are some members-only exclusive webinars. So if you're an NCIA member, make sure you take advantage of those as well. Well, we have run out of time. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today, Ryan. Where can people find out more about your company? Oh, well, thanks for having me on. It was my pleasure. Uh, They could reach out to me through my website at douglascultivation.com. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for joining me. It's been great reflecting on, on the industry and, oh, the puns are just so easy. I can't resist. Let's see what we grow in the future, right? (laughs) Perfect. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.